Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and today I've got us another super high-level treat. He is the CEO of On The Level Construction. He's a member of the Forbes Business Council, and he's the host of the Never Stop Building Podcast. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Sam Kaufman. Welcome, Sam. Oh, thank, can I clap for myself? Yeah, go ahead. Cool? All right, sure. cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 need, I need to get like a little one of those applause buttons, put a lot of applause in there. <laughs> I agree. With the intro that kind, I think you do need a small applause button. I'll, I'll have to see. Dan, Dan, find one and edit there. We'll see if she picks that note up. I, don't, I, I often wonder if the editor actually listens to the podcast or if she just glues them together by luck. Well, I, th- I think clarifying that you don't know gives her free reign to do either one really yeah, yeah, she's, probably, she's probably gonna put duck sounds in there next. all right on with the show for those that don't know who you are sam uh just give us a really quick rundown on uh, who, who you are and what it is that you actually do sure um i am a i'm a husband and father of two first that's definitely my biggest uh source of pride and then yeah ceo of a um kitchen and bath remodel business here in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Uh, own a flooring retail store, uh, business coaching and consulting with Winrate and Mike Claudio and his team. And what I do is uh, I inspire men and women to be leaders in their homes, businesses, and communities. That's what I like to do. That's man, who I am. If I'd have known that, I'd have given you a stronger introduction than, than the one I wrote, man. Well done. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so you have a, you have a retail store, um, you have remodel company you you talk us through a little bit about um all of the all of the businesses that you do have first because we don't get many multifaceted business owners on here i'd like to touch on uh, on on each of them if you would yeah sure um i'll talk about the uh kitchen and bath remodel company first and if you i mean are you open for like a couple of minute rundown yeah overview on that i want to know i want to know how you got into it i want to know what gave you the idea to have a kitchen and bath remodeling company i want to know if you started out on your knees putting tile down and grout spaces in yeah give give us all of it man yeah yeah dude so uh you know to i'll skip the the super super background but long story short um i got clean and sober nine years ago and when i did that um i had no prospects or skills or education i uh i barely graduated high school uh my my alcohol and drug abuse and addiction took me to places in my early teens that by 22 years old i i should have been dead and i wasn't thank god but by the time i got my my life together at 22 i didn't have anything going for me and so i got involved man i was changing oil I was working at retail stores. I was just doing whatever. Uh, I was just grateful to be alive in right. the beginning there. And there's so, not a lot. There's not a lot you can do at 22, really, uh, especially if you're just now getting sober. You know? No, you, there's you, really not. You probably didn't have a whole lot of skills, right? No, I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have any. I didn't have any real trained skills. I had, you know, natural abilities and talents like we all do, but I didn't mm-hmm. have any skills. And I took a job as a cabinet installer's helper for a buddy in recovery and mm. i yeah so did i start on my knee yes i did i started my very first day crawling around kitchens and bathrooms nailing on toe kick and shoe mold to cabinetry uh and i hated it it was hot it was disgusting but the hours were so long that the money was so much better than anything i'd ever done ah, before there you go. Now, yeah. now, how old are you now just let mommy ask you. i'm 31 okay so in nine years in nine years, you've gone on from that to being the CEO of your own space, to being a business coach, to being a member of the Forbes Business Council. Um, I just want to plant a flag in the ground right there and say, guys, for those of you that are struggling, for those of you that are running behind the uh, behind the curve a little bit, look at what can be accomplished in nine years of hard work with a lot of hard work and a lot of good luck and a lot of good planning. Look at where you can mm. be. like, and, uh, and a lot of good people. A lot of good people. So good, you know. 
Let, let's go back to where I wasn't trying to push your story off. I was trying to highlight you as an example there of, of what you've done in nine years. So take us back now to, to just starting out and how hard the, the work was. I think you were saying how long the hours were, right? Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was tired. I was making $8 an hour or seven seventy five or oh my whatever God. it was. I remember the seven seventy five. dollars 75 Remember the seven fifty minimum wait, right? Was it, yeah, seven, so it started, started at seven twenty five, And I think if you were on seven seventy five, that was your first 50 cent an hour raise or something. It, it's well, in certain so like certain states had oh, different. Oh yeah, that's so right. like you had seven twenty five in one state and seven fifty mm -hmm. in another, and and eight ten in a different one. But like if you were doing eight, like you were like you had nailed a great entry level position. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember those I was, days, man. Yeah, yeah. I was making like eight bucks an hour, and but I had all this overtime, and I started taking home paychecks that I'd never seen before, and and they were not big paychecks. They were to me at the time. Um, and so I didn't really fall in love with the work. I fell in love with the ability to earn money, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. And so I struggled. I struggled for months and months and months. I really didn't pick it up quickly. I really didn't pick it up well. Um, I, I really, um, it was not a natural thing of my carpentry and, and trade work was not a natural gift or talent of mine, but I knew that for nothing else, I knew I could push my body. I knew that I could work 15, 16, 18 hours. I knew that I could do that, so I just kept showing up and doing it. Right. And what ended up happening was that the real turning point here was that company decided we had a holiday dinner, and right after the, the holiday dinner to celebrate the holidays, the owner of the company announced that he was changing all the pay scales to piece rate, which is you are now going to get paid by the job you completed. Right, right. They so we were going to team up staff members, and we were going to complete work together, and then we were going to get paid and dispersed by the job. And I remember my very first thought was, oh, I'm screwed. Like, I'm not good at this. I don't right. work quick enough. Like, I, I'm, I'm screwed. Like, I'm going to have to find another job. And the guy leans over, and he goes, look, don't worry, man. Like, I can't legally pay you less than I am now, so, like, you're safe. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you're right. you can't legally pay me less than minimum wage for 40 hours, so. Right. All right, cool. You see why what he's happened? trying to increase efficiencies, though, right? I mean, oh, I, 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 well, no, no. What you, no. What he was trying to do, to be frank, with that business was he could not manage cash flow at all. He was trying to increase cash flow, mm -hmm. and he was doing it. Um, I guess the interpretation he had of the situation was if he was only paying by the jobs that he had available, he'd only be paying out. But that's not actually how that works when you have yeah. much W two full time <laughs> staff. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it that way, man. That's uh... you. You can't. That business is no longer in business. So he, um, he, sh he should have hired a coach, but we'll get to that. We'll, we will get to that. Um, so long story short there, man, a couple of a month, month and a half into the piece rate thing, I started seeing what the jobs were paying mm -hmm. and I started doing some math and I started it, man, if I actually get good at this and I can knock out a job and a half a day of cabinet installation work, I can make like 50 grand a year. I can make 55 and I and dude that's and a lot of money for an eight dollar an hour hand that's a lot of money to go from eight bucks an hour to thinking I can make 50 grand a year. it's a huge pay that's like a hundred percent like like pay increase you know what I mean um, but that, that it's funny because that that was the number it was 55 uh that I made my my first business I had I had contract doing uh, doing legal work and it was 55 and that was the first number i made up from 775 or eight bucks or whatever it was i was on at the time and um it now it sounds like it sounds like pocket change but like then it was such a leap from that hourly world to to almost the safety of 50 grand a year man yeah safety is an interesting word choice there that i, I that's probably the feeling was if i can hit that mm -hmm. i'll be safe and mind you at this time i'm dating my now wife and um got a 15 month old in the house and a four year old in the house. And, um, so there's some pressure to bring home some money for a young yeah. guy who's got, got no, no skills. Um, and that first year I got my W2 in the mail in February. And from that first year of peace, right, I made $41,000 and I was over the moon excited that I cleared 40. I never, ever thought I clear $40,000 in a year. In income, that was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. As a twenty-three-year-old, I was like, "Holy crap! I've done it! Like I figured Dude, out, awesome. I cracked the code." Yeah, <laughs> it was cool, and I like right. sharing that with people because it's it's worth sharing. Um, I, I find there, I I share that often because I believe that that mentality that early has led to a lot of the 
ability to be grateful in the small successes over the last nine years. I can see what it means to you because, like, you know, 90% of the people on that are, that are catching this podcast will not see the video, but if you could just see the amount that the guy is smiling as he's telling this story and how much that 41,000 meant to him, like, you would get it. And uh, it's, a, it's a huge accomplishment at 23 to be able to say, you know what, I've got a little bit of safety uh, behind me now. So what was it from, from Peace Rate? What was it that made you jump out from that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, so I, I went to my boss, the owner of the company, and I told them how happy I was to make 41 and how grateful I was for the opportunity. And he said, well, look, dude, this coming year, if you work a little harder and a little longer and you get even better and you do more, you may even clear 50. And I, my heart sunk because I went, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, and, and mind you, I'm in construction. Right. I'm working 7 a.m. to 7 or 8 p.m. It is sun up to sundown in, in new construction building yeah, yeah, industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I thought, more hours. Wait, whoa. Like, there's no raise. There's no bigger percentage. That, like, I have to, I don't have more hours, dude. And I remember immediately getting like really concerned because I was like, holy shit, that's, I got to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day to make 50. I thought maybe you, like, we double my piece rate or I, how, do, whoa. And so what I did was, and this is the thing that so many people I think miss in the, in the job they're in now prior to starting their own business, I started offering to help with everything else in the business that I could. Let me come with you on a sales call. Let me learn about some of the bookkeeping. Let me, can I help you with office administration? And I got paid for none of it. I got paid for the piece rate stuff I was doing. And I was spending extra hours learning other parts of the business, how to train other men and women, how to do the work, mm -hmm. how to run crews, how to build teams. And one day I went to him and I said, hey, man, I've become like a really integral part of this. I, I know all these other things. I'm helping with sales and estimating. And um, what do you think about a $50,000 a year salary? Mm -hmm. Just so I'm safe and comfortable, my family's safe and comfortable. I don't have to keep chasing installs and I can get paid for all my time. And he went, well, salary is actually for special kind of person. And you're just not quite that kind of person yet. So you just Oof. keep doing installs. That's oh, right. Oh, shit. yeah. And I, I poured wow. everything I had into that man's business for the time that I was there. And that broke my heart, man. Dude, it and broke remember, mine just hearing you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. It hurt. It hurt. And um, the truth was, uh, the truth was, too, and I know this now, and I even knew it then to a point, right? Like, I knew I was the kind of person. He was just broke. He couldn't manage a business. The thought of putting me on salary was, again, in his head, it was money out the door for things that don't produce revenue. Right. He was a new small business owner in the construction trade. And to him, anything outside of somebody screwing a box to a wall didn't mm -hmm. generate revenue. Dude, yeah, but we all think like that when we first start out, mate. You know, we all. Yes, we do. I mean, it. it, it business is really almost inverse of what you think it is and what you've been taught it is like in school and shit you know it's almost completely the opposite like the more you spend the more you can charge the more you can charge the better job you can do like people just don't they don't make that connection until they've been through it a couple of times you know yep the more you outsource the more you pay your support staff having office administration mm -hmm. and accounting and all the things that you think you'll just get to later that actually support your team they are all revenue generating mm -hmm. activities and so yeah so it just takes went, a while for that to sink in sometimes you know well I, I yes it does mine was when i hit seven figures in revenue and was still making the same amount of money net that i was at three hundred thousand dollars and went where what have i done mm -hmm. that's what that was my holy shit there's actually a whole nother side to this but anyway so he said that to me and uh, i went i was i went to a group of men in recovery and i said I said, guys, I, uh, ever since he said that, I can't get this idea of if I'm going to just be a cabinet installer, why don't I just be a cabinet installer for myself? I know what the jobs are paying. I'm selling for him. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just go get a van and dump my savings? I saved $6,000 up to this point, but more money than my wife and I, we've ever seen in a savings account. We had six grand. I mean, and, for, um, for someone at $41,000 a year, six grand is a good amount of savings, dude. I, I was very good at saving money. That's I was 50, very that's good. That's 15%. Yeah. That's 15%. I, you, I mean, come oh, on. Yep. We were very good at it. Um, we didn't go out. We didn't really go on date. We didn't spend money. We, we saved. We knew we were not making enough to go spend. Mm -hmm. And so 
this this group of men and my now wife, um, my parents. That's why in the beginning, when you gave me credit, I said in the people, everybody around me told me, dude, if anybody can make this happen, it's you. If anybody can go out there and and do this successfully and be a cabinet installer, and it's you, man. And That's then good. some guy looked at me. He leaned over and he said, "Look, brother, here's the deal." The worst case scenario is you lose everything and you're right back here right now. Is it Mm -hmm. that bad right here right now? I said, not really. He said, your worst case scenario is a lot of people's dreams. Yeah. So, and I went, shit. You've got, there's there's nothing to lose. There's no, there's no negative from doing it. Like, you know, your, your, your ceiling of your, of achievement became the floor that you stood on to go to the next level. And you could always come back. You could always come back to that floor, man. Yes, you could. Now, as long as, you know, you can give the ego, put the ego to the side and be okay with that reality, which a lot of us struggle with once we start, you know, making some money. Well, but, you know, yes. like, yeah, you've got to be in control of your ego, but you've also, like, you can't imagine Michael Jordan playing basketball without an ego. There, there, has, no, I, there has to be a little bit of it in there. You, you've got to but, let it out every now and again. When I do a SWOT analysis on myself and my mm-hmm. my ego is in all four categories. My ego is a strength, it is a weakness, it is mm-hmm. an opportunity, and a threat. My yeah. ego every time goes in all four categories. I I can see that. Yeah, I mean, depends on how I use it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. So yeah, <laughs> how does that go from installing cabinets to having like a physical brick and mortar and a retail location and everything else going on? What was it like getting started out? Now somebody's somebody's told you to go for it and you believe in yourself. How did that transition? How did that transition happen? Um, quite frankly, in the beginning, the first five or six months, I started. I was such a hard worker, quote unquote. Like my work ethic was. I was still working twelve hours a day, but now working twelve hours a day with the money coming directly to me and not through an employer, mm-hmm. I made I made more cash than I'd ever like. I made more cash in that six months in the bank after like paying my helper and and I only paid myself 500 bucks a week mm-hmm. so we took my average take home and I just kept writing those checks but basically I saw I saw the money and I saw the potential and I started in my head going man if, if two guys can do this and I can scale this to four guys in two vans and then six guys in three vans and mm-hmm. I'm like dude I could build like a business because no one's out here doing this well I'm in Charleston so over the last 10 years in Charleston New construction building, it's one of the top building cities in the country. Right, right. Everybody's out here doing bad work. So not only was the opportunity there to make money, but to be the best was wide open. And I jumped all over it. I just, I've always been very ambitious, a very growth. I always, I'm very competitive. I like being the best. I like being the biggest. I like doing better than other people, not to sound like a dick, but I'm, it became like a game to me, a sport. Um, how I got there from brick and mortar was a ton of pain. As you said, the business that we learn about business is really the inverse of reality, right? So what happens is, and anyone who's done this and is listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. Two plus two plus two plus two does not equal eight net in business. Mm -hmm. It equals like three and a half. And, and so, right. And so what started to happen was I grew one van and then two vans and at two vans i'm like yeah so two vans is double the money it's double the profit cool three vans is triple the okay well with three vans all right well now i don't have time to do all the paperwork because this and this and i can't manage these five people i got to get a software let me get a software real quick and i'll do that and I'll, let me get an office administrator because i can't do that now i'm doing the paperwork sundays at eight o'clock at night and mm-hmm. four vans and oh shit now the insurance has skyrocketed because this guy's license is kind of screwed and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of expenses that if you haven't done it you don't know right and what happens is at four vans and five dude at the at the height of that version of the business we were operating i had 25 employees i was in two cities hilton head and bluffton down in the south part of the state charleston here we were doing more revenue than i ever expected mm-hmm. and i couldn't find a fucking dollar couldn't find a dime couldn't find a dime of profit anywhere i don't know what was going on so what happened? What happened was um, a very, very high-end client of ours that we diverted a lot of resources to because they were wealthy and mm-hmm. I was greedy, racked up a hundred and something thousand dollar invoice and in December of 2020 said, we are not paying you, sue us if you feel like it. Mm. 
And we've, we've I, all had that happen. Oof. And I was broke oh, spiritually, me. yeah, mentally, mm-hmm. and financially. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. Because it's such a big client, you just let that shit ride on the, on the hope that they're going to pay you. And you just, how deep does that hole get, man? I, I have had a oh. motto for the last two years. I don't work for promises. I tell my sales team, because sales, sales guys be like, dude, we got we to gotta sell this guy this job at 22% gross profit because he says he's got all this other work coming. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. You sell it to him at 50, and then when he shows you other work for a year or two, then we'll cut him. I don't mm-hmm. work on promises anymore, right. which has changed my business. Yeah. But I love people, man, and I love to help. And I, and more importantly, now that I've been able to throw that, that intentional like loving to help, because at that time it wasn't as much loving to help as I thought it was, as much as tr- I, I liked to be viewed as a guy who was helpful. It was right. more about their perspective of me than how I actually acted. And so now I know how to how to channel my empathy and my love and my compassion in the right directions. But well, anyway, they did that. That is what started my journey. I had known for years that scaling a labor only business had a very low ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just really fickle and I refused to accept it. And I said, I'll prove them wrong. I'll do it differently. I'll make it so that it won't have that ceiling. I'll charge triple. I'll be worth more than... I didn't, shockingly, I did not change the entire labor industry in the United States. I tried, (laughs) but it didn't work. Right. Um, And so product sales, product sales saved the business. Really? When I looked at the product side of things, that beginning of that following year, as I continued to drain my own savings account. And I want to point that out too. Like, I think that's important. Like, what are you willing to do for your business? Because mm-hmm. I had to sit my wife down and say, I'm about to not get paid for three or four months and I'm going to drain our savings account to do this because I have to save this company. Mm-hmm. You willing to do that? I'm not even saying everybody should. I'm not. I'm not even suggesting that everybody should. What I'm saying is what's your willingness level? Because I believe that when we burn the boats, we work a lot harder. Oh, yeah. And I and yeah. I burned the boats and I went on this journey of mastering the retail product sales side of my industry mm-hmm. while avidly searching for business coaching because I had come to the very blatant conclusion that I did not know anything more than what I knew and what I knew got me to where I was and I didn't want to be there anymore. Man, it's the truth right there. Yeah. And so what we went into brick and mortar, we started simply, I hired a very good friend of mine who'd been in the flooring industry for 15 years. And I said, Mm. Hey, this is, if you're interested, I'm going to start a flooring division. You go and you do this. You start whatever. We start this flooring division. We slowly pick up product, product, product. We're selling floors. We're getting all these leads for full kitchen remodel in the flooring aspects. Yeah, and I go, like, I go, let's. And we already doing cabinets as I installation. Do, do. I went, well, hold on. Why aren't we doing full kitchen remodels? This is what we've been doing for there's, six years. There's your lead funnel right there. There's all of it. Like you tie yep. it all in. You, uh, they vertically integrate with each other. They do. And so we started, we started selling a couple of really nice kitchen remodels. We realized, damn, we're, we're really good at this. We're not the most experienced on the, on the project management side of the job, but damn, mm-hmm. do we know how to put together a good piece of work for a customer? Yeah. And then we started to build it very slowly over the course of that year. And at the end of the year, um, I had a choice to make cause I still hadn't been paid back. I still was chasing that negative money um, and I had a choice to make and it was really, it was burn the last couple of boats. It was take out some investment money and really grow and build the business the way that it needed to be grown and built or I needed to let it go. Cause mm-hmm. it was killing me, dude. Yeah. You know, 2020 was rough for home services. I didn't take out EIDL money. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of that. I just, um, we just put our heads down and that hundred thousand dollar hit almost destroyed us. We burned the boats, dude. So we built a. And I'm I'm a big God person, and I don't need to go down that road too far here. But what I, what happened was this series of events that were unignorable. I had a buddy who was a friend of my current business coach at that time. I Sam, you can go as far down the God road as you want. It's like it's totally open, man. You you want right, to go there? Cool. You go. That's well, cool. All right, cool. Well, that that's that's what happened was was God started presenting opportunities because I was becoming the man who was worthy of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And what was happening was because I was putting my people first and I was putting my business first and I was taking my I took my greed off the table. What I was doing was I refused to let the business fail because I refused to have to lay off a dozen fucking people who trusted me for five plus years. That's what became my focus. 
what happened was we got this opportunity that crossed our paths of this this office and warehouse space for lease and i went and the square footage and the location i went and the price and i went that can't be real it can't be real this is charleston there's no way call the guy he's like oh yeah well that's i mean you're a buddy uh, of ricks and if you want to come look at it dude like i had a guy leave overnight and screw me out of five months rent so i need at least like oh now. wow yeah I went and looked at it and it was perfect. It did everything we needed to do to be the full scale, to be able to inventory warehouse, deliver and service our customers the right way. And none of it made sense. Logically, none of it made sense financially. None of it. And I'm sharing that because like I see, and I coach and I I don't like to, I don't like to uh, uh, encourage people to run their business solely on emotion, but there's a level of intuition as the CEO and the business builder that has to be acknowledged. There has to be a level of faith and intuition where you go, this is right. It doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And I know I need to do this. And I I signed that lease with no ability to pay two. my lease was not up at my other place. I had no ability to pay two leases. I just knew that if, if we kept stepping out into the fear zone, if we stepped going, if we kept going past the comfort zone, things would continue to present themselves. Yeah. yeah. And as long as we were fast on the opportunity, everything would be okay. And so we built, we took this giant warehouse and at we on nights, weekends, we built a showroom. We cut it in half. We built a showroom and office space in the front. We built the warehouse in the back. And as we were doing it, I was developing marketing strategies and sales strategies going heavy on the product side of things. And we ended up building, we ended up taking our, our million dollar ish in revenue labor company mm-hmm. into a multi-million dollar full scale renovation. Then we built the flooring store inside of that. And now it became this multi-million dollar renovation and retail product sale business. Yeah. And that was the progression was the progression was I got my face kicked in repeatedly. <laughs> yes. Um, primarily on the heels of my own greed and confusion and ego. Mm-hmm. And instead of quitting when my face was bloody and beaten and I was laying on the ground, I said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give this one last shot for all of my team members. I- I'm going to give this one last shot for my family who supported me this whole time while I tried to build, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give this one last full 100% Sam Kaufman effort, just like I built it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I I looked back and said, I want that feeling, that energy, that enthusiasm, that grit. And that's what I did. And that's what sparked um, a company that, th- I mean, this year alone is 367% year over year growth. That's incredible. So, uh, yeah. Man. And the, the, the real, the real kicker is you've built something that it, it helps to feed itself. You know, the, the retail store feeds leads to the installation crew and the installation crew doing a great job feeds leads right back and they buy more product, man. I mean, you, you've really yeah, built it, something incredible. And it is, and you said it, it is vertical. And I, look, I was the shiny object guy for a long time. I I tried to start Shopify stores and go mm-hmm. heavy into crypto and do this. And, and um, I mean, crypto like two years, three years ago, not like in the last six months when everybody was right. doing it, like right. when it was even stupider. Like, like back and I, I own crypto. I'm not, I'm not saying crypto stupid, but I was the shiny object guy and vertical didn't mean anything to me. Anything that looked like it could make me rich quickly meant everything to me. And when I went vertical, the whole business changed. So now our whole focus is it's narrow and deep. I don't know if you were at MDM, but like a rod said it on Mm -hmm. stage at MDM, his investment company focuses narrow and deep. And that, and we, my, my wife, who's also our staff accountant and one of my sales director guys was right there in the audience and we looked over we were like narrow and deep that's what we're doing Mm -hmm. we want to go as narrow and deep into our service offering as possible because it feeds itself instead of tearing itself apart exactly right yeah yeah and i know that's how all the uh that's how all the top guys do it so uh i noticed we touching we touched on coaching earlier and um you are yourself a, a a much lauded coach what was it like for you making the decision to get a coach and what kind of change did you see in your business from uh, from actually stepping out and, uh, and hiring someone to help you um, that was a wry smile man <laughs> I, well co- co- coaching changed everything for me it, which went, is, and it, it and did it's for funny. me too but it's it's good to hear the stories man i want to know yeah. how it changed you because it, it it was it was my biggest my biggest issue was me like, I actually learned, learned was that, still you know? me. Um, yeah. So 
So, yeah, so like I said, so when I first started looking into coaching a couple of years ago, it was on the heels of pain, fear, and look, and my first, it was a local group that met once a month that had once a month in-person 60-minute coaching with it. Right. Um, And it was like 1500 bucks a month. And it, I, I thought that was the most extravagant. I thought they were, I thought it was highway robbery to charge mm-hmm. that kind of money to coach, coach me. The bit like, I, and that's, I mean, and that's the truth was like, but you already, you already at, know it. You already know all this. I stuff. know everything, bro. Mm-hmm. What are they going to tell me? And the truth was I, I knew, man, I, I knew, I knew so little, I knew so little. And, and I didn't realize how little I knew. And I don't mean in like a ta- like, dude, look, I'm going to tell you right now, business is relatively simple. Sell a lot at a high profit margin, save some of the money and treat people really well. That's it. It's really that that's the simplicity of what business is on a base level. I didn't know how to be a CEO. And what I was doing was pretending to be one. I was delegating right. responsibilities. I was hiring admins and salespeople, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to run my business like that in depart interdepartmentally. And like, yeah. I, I was a bit outside of my, my zone of, of, of knowledge. And I hired this guy uh, for 1500 bucks a month. And I said to myself, I'll give it 90 days and, and dude, it changed everything. And, he wasn't the he wasn't the best business coach, but he was the best business coach for me for where I was at. Right. And right. And, and he was so he was an older guy. And and the I was so scared. I was so scared. I was so scared that if I told him the truth, I'd be embarrassed. I was so scared that he would judge me for being a failure or not profitable enough or I didn't know anything. And and my ego was all tied up in asking for help. Um Did it surprise this, you? Did it surprise you when you realized that that 80% of business owners are just like you were. Yeah. Oh my God. I had no idea. I thought I was alone. I mm-hmm. thought I was this lone wolf who was kind of stupid and inexperienced and too young and everybody else knew. And I thought every room I went into when I would network was a room full of super, super intelligent CEOs and business owners. And I was like imposter number one. How big of a and surprise then, was it to realize that, <laughs> that you weren't? I, 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 dude, I sat in the room the first day of the group round table at that mm-hmm. group. And I heard all these people sharing $10 million business, 15 guy, 80 guy just exited $300 million and they're all sharing. I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is what I feel all the time. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. The, the amount of money in my bank account is not the definition of who I am. And it doesn't, it doesn't make or break me. Like these are, we're just humans. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Isn't it great? And <laughs> it's amazing. And that's what led to, that led to a search for more people like us. And I found the Real Business Owners podcast, which then I found Arate, and then I found Apex, and then I found WinRate. And that, and it, it, it became this multi-year journey of finding, when you're doing the work, if you're being coached and you're doing the work, the reality of the situation is you're more than likely going to evolve very quickly. Mm-hmm. And and I mean I mean ninety days to six months, six months to nine months. In that time frame, it's possible you may outgrow the coach within the first year of that coach, and may need another. And that's kind of what I did. I I did was doing work so quickly. I evolved. I found a new coach. I joined Apex Execs. I had a coach there. I joined WinRate to get a more industry specific coaching scenario going on. Because that's they kind of the point, though, isn't it? The the point yes. is you you build your knowledge cumulatively, and you're you're gonna if if you walk into a room there's always something you can take from every single individual in that room. There's always something that they can teach you. It doesn't matter how far along the journey they are. Um, there's always something. So to, to evolve through coaches seems like a very uh, natural part of the process. Dude, it, it definitely is. And what I found at the level that like you and I know people now, like win rate, for example, mm-hmm. like one of the things there, one of our core values is we continually evolve and like your coach needs to be continually evolving. And like right, my coach, right. that first coach I had was amazing, but he was retired. He was not evolving. Right. He was not evolving. He gave me everything he had. And what he did, he taught me how to set my business up on the on the EOS system. And he gave me traction and nice, rocket fuel. Nice, nice, yeah. Just, and, and, I, and I dove and I set, and he gave me all of the tactical black and white stuff that, that an older guy who's retired that should. After that, I needed more, and then I found this guy, and I needed more. Then I found WinRate, and, and, and at WinRate, like their the continuous involvement um, is very helpful. It's now, hard to outgrow my coach now. You um, guys are uh, industry specific, right, to construction and stuff. 
Yeah, so definitely the best contractor coaching company on the planet, but not the only. We don't only have contractors. We have digital marketers. We have mm -hmm. VA service people. We have all kinds of people from all kinds of industries. Because um, the thing with WinRate is the coaches have specialties. We've got like we've got numbers guy. One of the coaches there used to work like in hedge fund management. Like we've got a lot of expertise there. Like for me, it's leadership and team development, dude. Even through all this, I have like. I have like a an eight percent employee turnover rate. Oh wow! I don't lose people. Yeah. So so my like leadership, team development, core value implementation, and standard operating procedures is really my forte. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm good at. Like, and I'll tell you right now, how we grew a cabinet install business from zero to a million was SOPs in the training process. What I did was I invented a process for training cabinet installers that had not been. In, we were turning over a guy with no experience to full lead installer in 90 days. Wow. We were creating full-blown lead installers in 90 days. That's how I did that. It wasn't – the thing is, I didn't even realize it as I did it. I, I, I could have scaled it better and differently if I had actually known what I was doing right. But because my ego and distraction, mm -hmm. I didn't even really realize, but that's what we did. We documented training procedures. I did it before anybody told me what the fuck training procedures were. I just realized the faster I trained people, the more money I could make just wasn't entirely true. I could have <laughs> and should have sold the training manual and walked away from it uh -huh. completely. But yeah, but, but that being said, and then you've got finance guys and you've got, you know, and Mike is Mike, obviously. And um, that's what's Dude, beautiful there. To, you know, I go through like I go through before the podcast and uh, I, I make notes about the guests and I figure out what questions I'm going to ask them. And I've got one here with a, with a circle around it. I don't know if I should ask it or not. Um, but it says, uh, tell me about a time where Mike Claudio terrified you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm gonna I, think tell I'm you too scared. I think I'm too scared no, to no. ask that question. No, no, it's a great, it's a great question. Mike terrifies me. Mike doesn't terrify me at all anymore. I actually, um, I admire Mike. And I don't admire many people. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to sound like a dick. But uh, it's funny. So no, anyway. I mean, he's he's on my list of of admirable folks. Like we were discussing yeah. before the show, you know, I've got I got a lot of time for the guy. He's uh, he's definitely given me a lot, uh, you know, over, over the years. So I he, I enjoy he, listening to his show too. He's a good man. Um, but so so when I first joined Apex, um, God, when was that? I don't know, twenty twenty one sometime. Mm -hmm. When I joined Apex, I connected with um uh thomas keenan wrote immediately mm -hmm. and i told thomas with the business i owned and what i did and he told me to connect with chris whitehead and mike claudio mm -hmm. chris i connect with chris chris schedules a call chris is a nice guy chris is awesome he's like hey i can you know that's great i con general contracting company and then now i do coaching i'm like dude that's my dream i want to i send mike claudio dm same dm i sent to chris like hey man thomas keenan told me to hit you up i uh, my name is Sam. I do this. I'm in Charleston. You know, you're in Apex. <laughs> Response I get is, it's a thousand dollars for an hour of my time. Do you want to pay it or not? And I said, and this was my response. I wish I could find it to say it verbatim, but this is. I told you earlier, I was competitive and ambitious. Mm -hmm. My response to Mike was, that was all I needed to hear to know that you are a man that I will find a way to connect with. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and I walked away and so many fucking people would have gotten that message, gotten their feelings hurt, cried about it, scheduled five calls, complained about Mike. I went, this dude can charge a thousand dollars for an hour phone call. I want what that guy has. How do you become so coveted that you can just respond with a thousand bucks to get on the phone or I can't do it. Now he later explained to me, Look, dude, I literally don't have five minutes. He mm. was coaching like 50 people at the time, whatever it was. Yeah. But that was my introduction to Mike. Um, I, th I think I'm going to plagiarize that. I think that would be that would be a very good message for me to start putting out. And dude, it's separate. Look, it saved me a lot of time. It saves you a lot of time. And it separates the people who actually. It separates the people who, who, who have some balls and who don't. Really? Right. And I said to him, thank you. I said, thank you. That's all I needed. That's all I needed to know that you're the guy and I'll figure out how to get there. Appreciate you. And then, um, so did he terrify me? Maybe not. Maybe, um, 
I've admired him since that conversation and I've watched him grow. It's actually been incredible from, from my perspective. I've watched him grow with everything that he's got going on successfully. The amount of dedication that dude has to continually growing. I see people who have way more incentive that they should be growing and don't give it any, any opportunity. And then mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've got him. And then the next time we connected, we were sitting next to each other at um, my first executive meetup. Did, did you ever pay him a thousand bucks then or? Well, I hired WinRate, so I guess I did. Guess so. Um, I guess I did, but at the execs meetup, I thanked him in person for that message. I said, I don't know if you remember this from, from many months ago, but I said this, and he was like, no, nah, I don't remember. I was like, it's, that's okay. I send everyone I, that I, message. I, yep, and I said, look, I, I said, I said that message changed my life. That's why I'm here. I signed up because I realized that I need to pay money to be in the room with people like you guys, and mm-hmm. so I signed up for execs, and I want to be in this room, and now you have to talk to me, and I don't have to pay anything. And he laughed. <laughs> it was. And, and he, it, it worked. Well, you got to get in the room, man. And mm-hmm. um, paying is one way to get there. And that's what I did. And then we had a great conversation. And I signed up for WinRate that day. That was the day that I let go of my first business coach. And I evolved to WinRate was the day of my first executives meetup. And I, and I brought WinRate on as a coach. And then uh, it was four months later, they offered me a coaching opportunity. So... Was that like an Uno reverse card when it showed up or what? How did that happen? Because now, you, now um, you're one of their coaches, huh? Now now I'm one of their coaches. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been loving on, caring about, and pouring into people since the day that I got sober. Um, mm-hmm. I've been sponsoring men. I, I've been opening meeting. I, I've been of service the um, same way in my church. I, my passion and my purpose is, is to, I love taking care of other people. I love helping other people. And I, I just, I don't think that my personality hides that at all. And so I think that was, and, and and that's what led to the success and the coaching opportunity too, was like, I had an opportunity to do coaching, group coaching and other coaching for no pay mm-hmm. for a few other groups. And they saw that. They saw me running the call every week. I was on time. I ran the call. I showed up. I poured in hard. I get sweaty. I'm I'm deep. I'm DMing guys afterwards. I mean, I, I run group coaching like like other people should be running one-on-one coaching. Right, right. And and what happened was they like they saw my level of service with with no there was no ROI on that. I just did it to be of service. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the game changer from uh from their perspective. Um it's funny because when you pour out like people are more apt to invest in you um when you put it out there first you go over and above first you go above and beyond first you know do all that work first you you get it given back and you you had made mention to god earlier and it it is strange how that all works and it all ties together but the more you give to the universe the more you give to god the the more it appears that you get back does that seem the case it's that's a hundred percent the case and 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 giving in all aspects giving financially giving of your time my what i what i've learned is um it's not about it's not about equal giving in the sense where if i give ten dollars you have to give ten dollars mm-hmm. it's about equal sacrifice so if i give ten dollars but i only have a hundred and you give one dollar but you only had ten it's about equal sacrifice. If I give an hour, but I but I had three available, and you only give fifteen minutes, but you've only got forty five, mm-hmm. it's equal sacrifice. Yeah, I don't have to be you, and you don't have to be me, but it's the sacrifice level that I'm willing to give up of my things that I want to protect that I seem to get more back from God and the universe and the people in my life. Uh, you're making me feel guilty now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I I've been asked to go volunteer at uh, at AA and go speak down there and stuff like that and i just i haven't done it yet i keep procrastinating on it and now listen listening to you and the example you're setting you're making me feel guilty so uh you you never know you never know when uh we have the ability when we share our, our strength and our experience and our hope and our message to to save somebody's life and when we save somebody's life we save a future husband or wife's life and when we do that we save a couple of kids lives and when we do that there's grandkids and we really, really underestimate the impact we have as an individual human on all the other humans in around us. 
whether we're speaking or getting on, I don't know who's going to listen to your podcast, but there could be somebody that listens to your podcast that's got a needle in their arm that goes, oh man, this guy got clean and changed his life. And maybe I could do that and goes to a meeting and ends up getting clean. And now, mm-hmm. now two, a mom and dad don't have to bury a son or a daughter. I have no idea, but that's, I know that that's possible. That's, that's why, why I, I wanted this. everybody to hear that at 22, you were a train wreck. Um, at 32, you're not, you know, you've, you've got the entire world literally at your feet. Um, from 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 becoming you know, from being an addict to, to getting to where you're at and it, you're the example man that's, I mean that's why you're on the show it's, it's people look up to you and they can they can follow what you've done and they can also say you know what I see Sam Kaufman's a success but I know it was a, a lot of work to get there he did not win his championship and keep his dirt, jersey clean he got dirty he did the work man you know that, yeah that's the, why you're here the jer- yeah the jersey definitely got and thank you I appreciate you saying that and the reality look i i tell people this often but like me or anybody else it's like i'm not special dude i i'm an average guy who has to work really 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 hard to get above average results mm-hmm. and like michael jordan shared like all the top athletes they're like dude yeah it's great you know five thousand free throws at four o'clock in the morning before they get you know what i'm saying like get my face punched in i almost ruined and went bankrupt in my business mm-hmm. before i my business was actually successful I almost lost all my staff before I was able to have a, a, a almost zero employee turnover rate. I, I learned yeah. through pain and mistake and we, failure. We've all been there. And you're yeah. just a, you're just a great example of somebody that has shown up and has done the work. So now I got a question for you uh, as we start to round out this interview. This podcast is uh, it, it came about from me listening to business owners and, and hearing that they all all have a struggle. And it's aimed at guys that are like us and maybe a few years behind us. So if you could turn around now to 22-year-old Sam and give him a message uh, to maybe get him through the next 10 years, what would you want to tell him? Uh, I think I think there's so much. But I think if I had to say one thing, it would be that in the moments where not following through on the commitments to yourself seem appealing, do it anyway. Damn, that's a good one. That's a really good one, man. How do you make sure to follow through on the commitments that you make to yourself? I know a lot of us struggle with that. Um, me, I've, I've done... I'm winding up 75 hard and it's been one of the most amazing processes for me, but how do you stay true to your own commitments? Um, I've struggled my entire life loving myself for who I am. It's what led to a lot of the addiction. It's what led to a lot of the struggle in business. It's what's led to um, the times where I haven't been a great husband or a great dad or a great Mm -hmm. friend or it all stems from Man, why don't why don't I love myself right now? What's wrong with me? And what I have found over the last couple of years is it's a lot easier to love myself when I'm working really hard seven days a week on myself. And I don't mean hard like 15 hours of cabinet installation or 30, <laughs> you know, three hours of exercise. I mean, I mean, getting up at the time I set my alarm. Right. I mean, showing up when I tell my family, hey, your dinner's at 6.30, cool. Not walking in at 7.05, mm-hmm. walking in at 6.25. What I found is those moments, they don't make me feel good when I do them, but they make me feel awful when I don't. And what I realized is the, the showing up needs to be the normal, not the exception. And when I follow through on commitments to myself, when I do 75 hard, dude, I feel so much better on 75 hard than I do off. Mm-hmm. And not because I need two workouts a day and and zero cheat meals in order to be okay. But my God, it feels so good to just be like, man, I, I showed up for me again. Yeah. And then when I show up for me like that, I go home and I'm on time for dinner for my kids. And I'm like, cool, I'm happy to be here. And, and then when I'm spending time with my wife that night, I'm like, I'm, I, I know I showed up for me. I didn't leave anything on the table. Dude, I feels, didn't leave anything. Good. Yeah. Check yeah, all the boxes, I, man. Yeah. Check all the boxes and, and just be okay with the fact that those boxes are going to change over time. It's not going to be the same box every day for the next 20 years. The boxes will shift and change, but just keep checking them and showing up. Because I know 
I know how bad, I know how fast depression and anxiety start to seep in when I stop showing up for me. And it, it's the illusion of this is comfortable or I needed rest or I'll just get to that tomorrow or it's, it's delusion. It's mm -hmm. sick. And it, it creeps up. I don't like it. I don't like being depressed and anxious. Just like I don't think anybody looks being depressed and anxious. <laughs> well, man, I think you're an absolute shining example. You know, I've admired you and your work inside the uh, the Apex Group from afar. You know, I've I've seen you come up. I've seen some of the things you've done, and uh, it's it's been great great to watch you. And uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today and for being an example, man. Um, listen, where can the people that have been listening, where can the listeners find you on the internet? Where can they find you on social media and follow along with your journey? Sure. Um, Facebook and Instagram are both at Sam Kaufman official, the never stop building podcast, which is my favorite. That's the favorite thing that I do. Um, is just neverstopbuildingpodcast.com or never stop building on whatever platform that you like to listen to podcasts um, and coaching um, you can either DM me or you can go to winrateconsulting.com and fill out the form and somebody will hit you up man I'm going to put all those links in the show notes dude thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, for spending time with us today ladies and gentlemen that was uh, Sam Kaufman Sam thank you thanks man Alright guys, if you have enjoyed that show, do me a favor, run along and uh, visit Sam's socials. You can find him uh, in the show notes and uh, at Sam Kaufman Official. And uh, yeah, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Business Surgeon. If you've enjoyed the show, do me a favor and share it and uh, I will see you guys later in the week. Alright, you'll be good and stay safe. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.